for me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to our special edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and we are recording from the Scouting Combine, the heart of the NFL offseason here in Indianapolis. Day one today, general managers and coaches on the podiums. The prospects begin taking the center stage on Wednesday here in Indy. Today was all about Joe Shane, the New York Giants general manager, here for his second combine in that job. And as I wrote on NorthJersey.com, the challenge of his job is a lot different in year two than it was in year one. Year one was all about breaking down the roster, telling players that they were being cut and released because of salary cap reasons, not as much roster reasons. They really weren't players in the free agent market. They made a couple deals, probably Mark Lewinsky, the right guard from here with the Colts was a guy that they they signed on the market for more than a one-year deal. But this year is a lot different. It's about retaining players. It's about continuing to build this roster. It's also about going into the draft and continuing to build a foundation and finding value to make this success sustainable off of what they did in their first season. Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and the Giants. Nine regular season wins, another one in the playoffs, their first playoff win since they were here in Indianapolis in Super Bowl 46. And then obviously the season ends in a crash and burn scenario against the Philadelphia Eagles, who went on to the Super Bowl and lost as favorites to the Kansas City Chiefs. So on today's show, I figured I would put out a podcast and give you my takes on Joe Shane today, uh, what he said, what he had to say about Daniel Jones, uh, what he didn't say about Saquon Barkley, but I figured it's a good way to kind of run through what Shane said uh, and my interpretation of where things are as the Giants kind of try to move forward these next three weeks in Shane's new chapter of his tenure will go a long way toward determining and defining where the Giants are, not just in 2023, but beyond. So here's how things set up today. Joe Shane talked on the podium for about 17 minutes to the entire media that's here present. And then he did another 10 minutes off the podium outside in the hallway in the convention center with the local beat writers that were here. Uh, And everyone's pretty much represented by at least one person. And uh, we got Joe Shane again for another 10 minutes, uh, a little bit more in depth on the roster decisions to make. Uh, So we'll run down through all of that. Now, one big thing that the Giants are doing here that's different than past years for the team is that Brian Dable isn't speaking publicly in an interview setting 
with the media here this week, and that's by choice. The Giants are one of 12 teams that won't have their head coach talk this week. And the sense I get from talking to people in the organization is that Dable feels as though the offseason is Joe Shane's time to do the talking, to talk about decisions that are made. It's not a sign that they're not in lockstep, but the same way that during the season, Brian Dable is front and center with the media and Joe Shane only talks prior to training camp and then usually during the bye week, maybe at the trade deadline if the Giants do something. Dable is really the front man during the season. So an interesting dynamic for the Giants. I'm sure that Brian Dable didn't want to sit in the media room and answer all questions about Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and guys, will they be re-signed when Joe Shane is trying to negotiate? And a lot of his answers would have been, well, as Joe said, and then just echoing what the general manager said. So as a reporter, I have different ways to try to reach Brian Dable this week. You know, saw him last night for a little bit. Not really in an interview setting. And that's the way you want it. And when you're the coach of the year for the Giants and you've got a million things, he was participating in the women's forum today here that the league was holding. Uh, one of one of a, a select few of coaches that were involved. And, you know, that's where his time is being dedicated to. So I'd much rather talk to the head coach and the general manager, but the general manager certainly will suffice. So without further ado, let's get into Shane, uh, what he revealed, really what he didn't say, and my thoughts on what it means uh, in terms of what they're doing. All right, the biggest thing for me that I took away regarding Daniel Jones is that Joe Shane was deliberate about setting a timeline regarding the negotiations with Jones and all the things and all the speculation and the think pieces that were put out there regarding Daniel Jones and a reported asking price of $45 million. First off, I don't know if they said $45 million. It would not surprise me if there were people in Daniel Jones's circle who said we want Kyler Murray money. Kyler Murray was selected five spots ahead of Daniel Jones. And this past season, Daniel Jones outplayed Kyler Murray. I've had this argument, and I will continue to have the argument. The arrow for Daniel Jones is pointing up, where at best, Kyler Murray's arrow is pointing sideways. The, co- the coach and the general manager that went all in for Kyler Murray have been fired. So, again, I don't expect the Giants to match what I consider right now a bad contract for Kyler Murray. And he has a chance to improve on that. But Joe Shane was adamant. That because of the because of the agent switch that Daniel Jones made from CAA to Athletes First, according to Joe Shane, and again he said this publicly at the podium. So if you want to call him a liar, you can call him a liar. But he has no reason to lie. According to Joe Shane, the Giants never met with CAA regarding Daniel Jones. They never exchanged prices. They never exchanged values, and the idea of the $45 million asking price was never brought up. So Daniel Jones makes the decision to leave CAA 
for athletes first. Now, there's a time period before Daniel Jones officially signed off on athletes first before the NFLPA uh, waived the waiting period. And in that time, a story broke that Daniel Jones was asking for $45 million a year. Then the switch to athletes first became official, and then the Giants and Daniel Jones began negotiating. So basically the Giants are saying, we didn't leak any numbers because we didn't tell anyone any numbers until we spoke to athletes first, and athletes first took over representation for Daniel Jones after, officially after, that report came out. So where does the number come? I'm not going to play these guess the sources games. From what I've been told, uh, the reports that were out there, there were some people saying adamantly it was not from CAA. I can, t- I can tell you from talking to a lot of people here at the Combine, there are a lot of people who believe CAA or someone affiliated with CAA put it out there to sort of make Daniel Jones look bad. Whether he has those demands or not, that's going to come out in negotiations. But the fact the way it was presented uh, makes Daniel Jones look bad, makes him look greedy, and negotiations with the Giants hadn't even started. So you're almost polluting the pool before they even have a chance to discuss it. So that's where we're there with that. Joe Shane also was adamant that he has a good relationship with CAA. He has a good relationship with Athletes athletes First, with Rock Nation Sports, who represents Saquon Barkley, and down, down the line. So I think at this point, you got to look past what the asking price was and consider, okay, where are, you, where are you digging in now with what you're dealing with? Shane says he's been in contact... contact uh, Constant contact with Daniel Jones' agents. He had productive conversations yesterday. Had some today. They're doing it in person. Then they're doing it over the phone. They're trying to hammer it out. Trying to get closer to getting something done by the May seventh, uh, March seventh deadline of the franchise tag. Now, Shane said. He's talked to Saquon Barkley's representation, who's Kim Miali, been his agent since he was drafted. He has meetings lined up with essentially every free agent that the Giants have on their roster, from Dexter Lawrence to Julian Love, uh, down the line in terms of guys he's going to meet with. He's also going to meet with Xavier McKinney's representation. Uh, He's also going to deal with... You know, a bunch of different other things on the Giants. They've already spoken to Nick Gates and Jonathan Feliciano. So we'll have to see where that goes. According to Shane, Daniel doesn't necessarily have to be done before Saquon. I think that comes down to the franchise tag. Uh, Here's the money quote. Is Shane optimistic about getting deals done with DJ and Saquon? He said, yeah, I would say cautiously optimistic. Again, you have to go through hard times before you come out the other end with better times with negotiations. We're trying to work through it. Obviously, we'd like to have them both back. They know how we feel about both of them. And again, we're still working through it. It's got to be right for both parties. I say it all the time. If then scenarios, 
they're going through that. He said, if it gets out of hand and the asking prices are out of their comfort zone, they do have the tag, but they could only tag one player. I think they're only going to tag Daniel Jones. I don't believe they will tag Saquon Barkley. Uh, I think at this point, they're going to essentially draw a line and say, this is what we're going to offer Saquon. Uh, they they don't want to me from what I've been told the numbers that I've heard Saquon wanted 16 million dollars which is on par with Christian McCaffrey the Giants don't plan on going that hard that high 12 and a half is really the Giants range somewhere around there the franchise tag for Saquon would be lower than that I don't know if that's going to happen but As I said, Shane says he wants both of them back, but you have to see where you're at. And Shane said, draw a line in the sand. And they will look at plan B, plan C, and see what they have to get done. So that was that. Um, You know, one of the things that Shane was, I thought what was very interesting, he said that they were talking about building the wide receiver room. As you'd expect with the Giants, the wide receiver room is a big topic of conversation. Will the Giants go in free agency? Will they make someone in the draft? I think the draft is more likely. We'll see. But he wants to build the room, but also he he admits that there are holes on this roster. There's an obsession, that was his word, with the receiver position. You know, they want the Valley to match up. They know the holes are there on both sides of the ball. Um, And I'm looking to to get you the money quote about the wide receivers, which I thought was a very good good question. Uh, The idea that, you know, in a wide receiver room, the – the body type or frames, you know, there's always been a conventional theory that teams have to, they can't match up too many players size-wise, skill-wise. So you need the tall guy, the red zone possession guy, the slot guy, the this guy, the that guy. And I'll give him credit, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View Ask the question and use the phrase that basketball body, the mindset of basketball, you don't have five guys that are all the same height. You have, you differentiate position by position. Does Shane believe that that has to be the same in the wide receiver room? And he said, no, Dave's is great about that. Again, he wants guys who can separate. If you can separate, no matter how tall, short, wide, if you can separate, we'll find a way to use them within the offense, whether that's outside, inside, or slot. That's one of the unique skills that Dable has within his offense, taking the players and the skill set that he has and developing the offense around that skill set. And I think that's a great point. Because if you're looking for guys now in the draft that are really billed as slot receivers... You know, look, it's very easy to look at Quentin Johnson from TCU and say, he's that outside guy. He needs to be in there. You know, he can be the one with with 
Isaiah Hodgins maybe as the two with Wandell Robinson on the slot when he gets healthy. I think Joe Shane basically told you he's taking whatever receiver he thinks is the best game breaker and then worrying about it afterwards. So do you see a a guy I like, Jackson Smith Najigba from Ohio State, worked through injuries last year, but two years ago when it was Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Smith Najigba on the field, JSN was the guy who blew it up. And we already know what Olave and Wilson has done in the pros. So I don't think they want to block Wandell Robinson's progression, but I also don't think they're afraid of putting a guy like JSN uh, all over the field and make things happen. As long as he gets separation, they'll find a way to put him out there and be productive. So that's pretty much where we're at after the first day of the Combine. Uh, you know, I think at this point, I think the Giants believe that they're going to be able to get a deal done with Daniel Jones. I don't know if they'll get a deal done with Saquon Barkley. They'd like to, and that might have to be Barkley coming back to the Giants and accepting their number. But I think they will come to to a long-term agreement with, with Daniel Jones. Probably around $37, $38 million a year, annual value, and they'll move on from that. And not for anything, you got to consider, you got to ask yourself, does Daniel Jones want to put himself through another season where he's walking that line? At $32.4 million as a franchise tag, tremendous salary, one-year deal. If something were to happen this season, does he want to roll the dice again? Last year, he was forced to roll the dice. This year, he may be forced to roll the dice again and risk if the Giants put a five-year, $185 million deal with $100 million guaranteed on the table. Will Daniel Jones walk away from that? And to me, it's hard for me to see. Having seen Daniel Jones for his first four seasons in the NFL... And how he's reckless at times with his body. He plays with abandon. I don't know if I would risk making $32.4 million this year and costing myself another, you know, whatever you want to say, $65 million guaranteed by just accepting the franchise tag. So that's where we're at. I think it's going to be a very interesting week looking at prospects. I'll be back tomorrow. I think the defensive tackle, defensive line group in general, and linebackers are a huge spot for the Giants to look and improve on. So we'll get into that more. But we appreciate you being all in, and we are all in as well. So from the Combine, see you on day two.